This episode of the Logic Podcast is brought to you by AJA, together with Flame since 2006. We would like to welcome to the Logic family our friends at Hotspring. Hotspring is the future of VFX outsourcing. Hotspring connects you to great artists to get your projects done, making it easier than ever to access the best talent around the world. I highly encourage if you need any help with roto, paint, cleanup, or 3D match move, give the folks at Hotspring a shout. You will not be disappointed. www.thehotspring.com Does it, yeah, does it feel weird? Like not even like this side of the, like this side of the camera. I've never been on this side of the app. Oh. I'm always on the other side of the app as the host. So it's like, this is very meta. That is hilarious. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, this is, this is going to be fun. Yeah. Thank you for your patience. I know we tried to record this two months ago. (laughs) Dude, if anybody can understand the, the chaos and unpredictability that is the life of a flame artist. It is me. It's you. Yeah. Right. Right. No problem. Or well, it's thank any you. Of us. Yeah. Oh, for sure. sure. For sure. Well, let's let's kick it off and start with horizontal or vertical reels. Oh, horizontal reels all the way, man. Okay. Totally agree. Are you flame or smoke hotkeys? Flame hotkeys. Okay. I be- I'm a firm believer in using the application the way it was designed. Right. <laughs> you know. And then yeah. kind of build off of that. I remember when, I guess it was when they made the change to anniversary edition and all of the sudden, like the everything, I don't know how long you've been using Flame or if you've been using it since before. Like, So I started at, after the anniversary, but the company I, I got my first Flame job with was pre-anniversary. Mm-hmm. They hadn't upgraded. So I had like a week of like, holy hell, how does this thing work? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I like one of the things that that was unique, I guess, about the Flame UI pre anniversary is like when you had your clips on the desktop expanded into like film strips. Yeah. Or uncollapsed or whatever. Right. In order to make them like shuttle to the right, you had to like click the button, the arrow, like the left arrow. Yeah. Like it was a, you know, it was whatever. It was a visual representation of like back in the 1930s, you had to turn a crank to move the film reel. And so, you know, when anniversary edition came out, one of the things that they did, this revolutionary concept of you click the arrow to the right, the clip shuttles to the right. And I made the conscious uh, effort to like try to work that way. Yeah. Okay. You know, like they, they intentionally replaced some hotkeys for like, you know, navigating up and down in the timeline and things like that. And every flame artist I knew like spent like the first time they fired up anniversary edition, remapping all the hotkeys. So it worked the way that they remembered. And I was just like, you know what? I think I'm going to try it this way. Okay. And I remember like going in, you know, when I was not working or when I was not actually on the flame or comping, I would, I would, I would like hit the the keys for like up, down, up, down, you know, like the ones they need to be now as opposed to what they were. Yeah. You know, just to try to retrain the the muscle memory because I figured. Right. There's a reason why they did this. Exactly. And maybe there are advantages to doing it this way. And if you know, after a couple of weeks, it doesn't work out, I'll go back. Yes. Give it a shot. No, exactly. And pre-anniversary, to get to the timeline, didn't you have to go into a batch or something? Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, it was like you had to click the clip, then go into batch, and then it would actually show the timeline. And yeah, yeah. it was very Inception. I mean, Inflame is- Oh, it was completely know, Inception. It still is it Inception. like the visual- <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. But it was like the visual representation of like, being burdened with tech debt, you know, like right. the only way you can get a timeline to work is if you drag it into batch. Well, this makes no sense, but if it's the only way you can get it to work because we're working on top of 20 year old code, <laughs> exactly. I guess we'll work that way. Exactly. But I remember, I remember seeing like anniversary edition and in like a whisper suite at NAB, you know, before they released it. And the whole, like the whole story that they were trying to tell was, you know, before pre-anniversary, all everything you used in Flame was a silo. Like the player was a thing, and the desktop was a thing, and action was a thing, or batch was a thing, and none of them were aware of each other. Okay. And one of the first things they did in the re-architecturing of the application was like everything was aware of everything else. Nothing yes. existed in a silo. And that's why like they had to remap your favorite hotkeys because the N or something meant one thing in that batch and another thing in paint and another thing in text and another True. thing in the desktop and nothing. And now it has to be universal. I know. I like, I got it. Like I listened to that. Pre- I actually went and saw it twice. Yeah. Like I watched this, I, I went into a, the whisper suite again and watched it again because I really needed to like, 
it was like, yo, do you have to like unlearn what you've learned in order to like move forward? I right. No, you know, no, no. I know. No. I'm. We're two minutes into this, and I sound like the biggest Autodesk fanboy, but it's really not that <laughs> no, no, at all. No, it's awesome. it just like there's a reason why it was done this way. Maybe I should, maybe Learn I should new, understand yeah. what that reason is, and and you know, and yeah. kind of run with it. And that's kind of how I've always approached these things. It's I know. Although you the know. player still annoys me. Say you're in batch, you do a render, you go to your player, you're watching it down, you stop on a frame, you go, okay, I got to fix that. You go back to your batch setup, and you're like. I'm not frame on frame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are little things like that. If, yeah. I, if I only knew how to get a hold of Fred, right, I would right, do that. Right. And yeah, I would let so. him know. If I only had some way, if I only oh, had a magic my. phone, you right. know, that oh, they dialed right to Montreal or something. Yep. Yep. I would do that. Okay. So I have two new questions. Are you tablet front or side? Oh, that's a great one. Yeah. I'm tablet front, or as my friend Greg Paul Malone would call it, the hunch. The hunch, you yes. Know? Like yes, you hunch over. I, I really I tried to not hunch over, but that was something I tried when I I think he was the first person I ever saw that that did the tablet to the side. Yeah. And I tried it. And it's probably one of those things I should try again. You know, I felt like uh, that was too much. That was like trying to like, you know, I'm right-handed. That was like using the pen with your left hand for me. Like, right. Yeah. I feel like there's uh, too much space you have to cover if it's on the right. I don't know. It just feels comfortable yeah. for me in the front as well. So. <laughs> I, I remember watching him going like, this is, yeah, it takes a, why not use your feet too? You right. Know? Like right. you need to be yeah. spread out, you know, like this, might as well use your feet have foot yeah. pedals, you know, be twice as productive. Yeah. And then a uh, single or, or dual view. Oh, like in batch? Yeah. All right. Uh, here's the thing, right? Primarily, it's single view. I really only use double view or dual view if I'm doing things like rotoing and I want to like see the like the the result downstream or something, and the UI disappears, or you know, so it, yeah, it, uh, you know, it's not like the the edge that I'm trying to get really really precise isn't hidden by the, the yeah, vectors and the lines exactly. Or if I'm painting too, like I'm going to paint on something, I'll set context two or something down, you know, on the right hand uh, side so I can okay. see it downstream. I will fully admit that working with like a two up view is makes more sense. Like there really is no reason in a sane universe why I should constantly be like tildeing back and forth between right. schematic and result, schematic and result when I could leave the schematic over here and look at the result over here. But that's just the way I always worked. And so it, it's easy, it, 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 you know, we all go into our comfort. Zones. Exactly. No, I, I'm right there with you. I mean, I do find myself going like, wait, why am I hitting this button so much? But I actually get confused with the the two up because sometimes mm -hmm. I'll, I'll be on this side and then I'm working and then click a button. I'm like, oh, no, wait, why did it go over here? So I don't know. One up just works. But I see I've yeah. never tried that with paint, though. That's a good that's a cool. It's like certain tip. things, like especially if you're painting a mat, like if you're just trying to like paint in, you're yeah. trying to fix a mat, like something that just won't key. Or it's rotoed, but you got to paint motion blur edges or whatever. I'll do that. Yeah. You know, no, that's a, okay. So I'll, I'll try that. Downstream. That's awesome. Nice. Okay. So let's go backstory. Mm. Where did you grow up? What? How did you get interested in post production? You know, were your parents into film or anything like that? Oh, uh, hell no. Okay. I can, I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay. they liked movies. My dad loved going to the movies. My dad loved. I actually, I actually, I have very, very, very fond memories of, of going to the movies with my dad. Like my one of oh, my nice. favorite childhood memories is I think I was in the fifth grade when Empire. I'm sorry, when Return of the Jedi came out. Yeah. And my dad woke me up. You know, it must have been like 11 p.m. on Tuesday, and the movie like opened Wednesday at midnight or something. Right. He woke me up and told me he got two tickets to see Return of the Jedi. And Amazing. so to the midnight show. And so we went. And I was able to like, you know, strut into fifth grade as the only, only person in school that had seen awesome. Return of the Jedi. <laughs> that's <You know>? amazing. <laughs> and that's when I peaked and like everything went downhill from there. <laughs> but no, my dad's a lawyer. My mom had a flower shop. Okay. Yeah. And so yeah. those two things are normally not conducive to pursuing a career in filmmaking. In fact, my, my father initially was opposed to me. He wanted me to like be a, be a lawyer or be a doctor yeah, yeah, or exactly. something like I, I had I was really good I had I was good in school I had good grades he you know he he would tell me he's like you know, he he struggled academically okay and he said you have you have an ability that an ability or an aptitude that I didn't have you should you should go to an Ivy League school and again be a doctor and for 
the longest time, I wanted to be either a surgeon or an astronaut. Oh, nice. Okay. Like those were the two things I always thought I was going to do until a teacher in high school turned me on to filmmaking. Nice. Okay. So how did that come about? It was like the summer before sophomore year of high school, we had to read a book. Like there was a re summer reading assignment and you had to do like a project or something like that, right? Yeah. So me and two of my friends, and this, you know, this will possibly give you a slight insight into how unbelievably cool and popular we were. Uh, me and two of my friends decided that we were going to make a Star Trek movie uh, as our project, you know, to explain for whatever the the book was. Height of popularity. I, I remember seeing like a behind the scenes of how Star Wars and Star Trek, like these things were filmed. It was, it was one of those like ILM yeah. documentaries where they showed you they had a miniature spaceship and the camera moved. You know, like we now know that it was motion control, like we're experienced right. visual effects professionals. Only, but I was like 14. What the hell did yeah. I know? Yeah. We had in my basement, like the baby carriage that my mom was like perambulated around in as a child, right? So possibly with her approval, I really don't remember. We disassembled that and turned it into a dolly, like a camera. Oh, dolly. that's awesome. And my friend Tom had a, had a VHS camcorder. Yes. Like the only person we knew who had one. And so we went to like the, the, the model shop and bought like a, you know, a Ravel or whatever they were model of, of the enterprise, assembled it and painted it and everything. And he, and hung it from the ceiling in his basement. Wow. You know? Yeah. And like, and lit it from, with like one desk lamp or something, because yeah. we, I remember like seeing that in like this. ILM Star Wars thing about, oh, there's only one source of light in space and it's the sun. Okay. And then one of us, I don't even remember if it was me, but you know, somebody sat on that baby carriage, that dolly, you yeah. know, we put like a, like a trunk on it, like the kind of trunk you take to camp. And like, right. that's what we sat on and you held the camera and aimed it, you know, at the ship at the model that was hung from the ceiling, turned all the lights off. So it, you, know, you couldn't see the, the ceiling of the basement. And then, you know, one of us was the, was the, the dolly grip, you know, we would push Right. The, the cart, you know, the, the carriage and that became, you know, how our spaceship moved through space. Like just what? like how they did it at ILM. That's awesome. Same thing with like transporter beams and all that kind of stuff. That was just locked camera, start the camera, stop the camera, start it, okay. you know, everybody leave, start it again, you know, and do some kind of like glitter or something, you know, element as like a, you know, whatever that thing, those particles were, you know, for, right. And so that was, oh man, that's that cool. was kind of, that's what we did for a summer project. The English teacher took that and showed it to this guy who was like the new head of the audiovisual department at the high school. Like when I say audiovisual department, I mean people who would like wheel a 16 millimeter movie projectors around to like- Right, to classroom. different but classes, he, yeah. Yeah, he was a retired, he had always been like a cameraman and an editor and a filmmaker and a musician. He was like one of these Renaissance yeah, artists, do it. Yeah, jack, jack exactly. of all trades. Jack of all trades, yep. And was kind of tired of- all those years in the business of, you know, running around and wanted just like a stable job. So he got this job here. The English teacher brought him like the tape of what we, you know, turned in and introduced me and my two friends to, to this guy. And it was, it was like, we never looked back. I mean, he changed my life. That's amazing. You know, we're friends to this day. I saw him three, three or four weeks ago, you know, oh he's, my gosh. You know almost 80 years old. And I mean, we became the best of friends. He was you know, he was at my wedding. You know, he, he came to all of my like NYU film school premieres, and that's amazing. But he taught me script writing. He taught me editing and everything in between. You know, yeah. And yeah, like yeah. He, that's 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 like one of those beautiful things about like a, a, that a teacher can do. They can see the potential in someone and they run with it. Exactly. And he, he's told me even you know a few weeks ago when I saw him that what what he picked up on real quick when we first met, when I was 14 years old or whatever, was nothing was impossible for me. Okay. I would say to him like, oh, I want to make a movie. What do I have to do? And he'd say, you have to write a script. Okay. How do you do that? Yeah. And then you have to, and then we have to edit it. Okay. How do you do that? <laughs> you have to do storyboards. Great. How do you do that? And that's how I am with everything in visual effects. Yeah. It's like oh, for sure. Python. Uh, okay. How do you do that? You know, I know flame. I have to learn nuke. All right. How do you do that? Yeah, you, know? you like break it up. Are you kind of saying like you break it up just into chunks, right? Like, okay, so for me to learn this, I got to get this done, you know? Is that yeah, what you're, yeah, totally. Yeah, okay. And it's like one thing leads to another. Leads, it's like a flow chart, flow graph and batch. One thing leads to another, leads to another, you know? Yeah. That's kind of how I always approached everything. 
awesome. in my career. Even like the logic stuff. It's like, you know, we want to build a community. Okay. Well, what do we need to do? Well, we right. got to do this. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, let's, let's just do let's it. Let's figure like, out let's how to just do, do it. it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, we'll figure so, it out. You know. That's amazing. So, yeah. That's amazing. Okay. So after high school, you, did you, you said you went to NYU? Went to NYU for okay. film and TV. Cool. How was and, that experience uh, like? Because I, I hear good things. I mean, the professors there, like, doesn't Spike Lee still teach there or something? <laughs> I don't know. Possible, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What was that experience you know, like for you? Like, it was great. And, like, looking back on it, it was amazing. That's the one thing that, like, the, the, the benefit of hindsight, right, is you can look back and maybe evaluate something for what it, you yeah. really appreciate it, you know, more than when you're in the moment. I know. But I had access to equipment that you couldn't get anywhere else. I had access to professors that you couldn't get anywhere else. Yeah. There was some statistic. It was something like NYU Film accepted, you know, as a percentage of applicants, accepted fewer applicants than Harvard Law. Whoa. So like you knew you were with the best. Right. You know, like even if you didn't know that, you knew that. There wasn't really, I mean, you're always going to, you know, you're going to find like a, you know, nut in every bunch, but like there was always no one was lazy. You know what I mean? Like everybody wanted to be there. Everybody wanted to do this. If you had to break off into groups and, you know, that's, that's how we, that's how we learned, you know, you, you, you were put into a crew and you would cycle. So when it was somebody's turn to direct, everybody else had to do something. You either had to like light or edit or shoot or okay. do yep. sound or, or whatever, you know, and you rotated until everybody learned all of the, yeah all the parts. But like in high school with this, this teacher, I learned 3d animation. So I learned, oh, you know, wow. some of the craft of filmmaking, but the thing I really, really, really loved was 3D animation. We had a video toaster at high school, which had Lightwave 3D. Yeah, I've heard of video toaster. Yeah. When it came time to get a job in high school, after a very brief stint at McDonald's, where I learned <laughs> like that important lesson of, I never want to do this. Right. I got a job at like the neighborhood computer store that also happened to sell like the computer that sold video toasters. Yeah. So. I had even my even in my off time, I could you know sit there and mess around with with Lightwave or with you know paint or whatever it was. Right. Okay. So I went to NYU and I started to do 3D animation in like the tradition. They didn't have 3D animation there at the time. This is nineteen. I went. To, I started in ninety two. I would take like the traditional Disney style animation classes where you do pencil sketches and shoot them you know one frame at a time on an on an ox barrier like an overhead you know camera. But I did everything with CG. Okay. So yeah. like I went to the professor and asked him if I could take the class, but instead of turning in pencil sketches, could I do wireframes? Oh, nice. And this is back before your 3D app had like physics simulation or inverse right. kinematics or anything like that. So if like the assignment that week was to do a bouncing ball, I had to keyframe that. There was no, nothing okay. was automated. And, gotcha. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. For sure. No physics. <laughs> That's cool. I did that and, and you know, I, I kind of went. You know, I went the TV route in the film and TV program because the computer that I had and, you know, with Lightwave and everything, I could render stuff to video. It was all SD, of course, but like I, I couldn't render anything back to film. I mean, 1992. Right. Yeah, right? yeah, of course. And that I wish I had done differently. Why, why do you think? Well, I, I, I didn't, I like, for example, like I never took cinematography. Why would I? I was on, I was going down the video route. Not that there isn't cinematography and video, but it's not exactly the same when you go to like an elite film school in 1992. True. Video was like the bastard stepchild. You know? like <laughs> right, right, right. It, it was not film. You know what I mean? So, yeah. But I did, I did learn all the other disciplines. I mean, I had to write a script. I had to storyboard everything. I had to Interact. edit. I had to, yeah. Yeah. I had to do everything. Okay. I, you know, I was on like a, like a laser focused quest to, get into visual effects. It's what I loved. And like my senior thesis film or video project was like the first student film that, at, at NYU that had 3D animation, had visual effects as we know them, you know, layer-based, yeah. whatever, had morphing and lens flares and keyframed stuff and retouched things and screen replacements or whatever, you know, like wow. it had visual effects. That's and it cool. won an award like, you know, my senior year and everything. It was really way too ahead of its time. You know, that's another thing I wish. I wish I had I was so hyper focused on getting a career in visual effects. Yeah. That I really wish I had if I could do it all over again. Yeah. I would have gone and taken film classes and I would have made a comedy or something. Oh, right. You know? <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. I wrote a script that was terrible because I was I was trying to write in for the, the visual I knew effects. I could do. Yeah. yeah which yeah. 
you you can go to the movies now and see a movie that was made with visual effects in mind and it sucks like right you know. yeah and i know so the movies you're talking about changed. yeah <laughs> yeah that hasn't changed i got my first job i remember i took a film editing class like an actual like like steenbeck oh like yeah film, razor okay. blades and For tape sure. and everything and I took a film editing class and the film professor took us on a field trip this has got to be 91 okay. no i'm sorry I know it's got to be a 94 or something like that. 94, 95 took us on a field trip to a company called Post Perfect in New York City where they had like the first Avid. Yes. Okay. I had seen like what is now Premiere, you know, running on a Mac. I think it was called like Radius or something back then, but I had definitely seen timeline based nonlinear yep. editing before and nobody else in the class had. Right. Okay. This guy has given us like a demonstration and I had a million questions. Like how big are the hard drives? How big are the files? What resolution can you play back? How many frames per second can you play back? These are things that if you, if you've yeah. never done digital editing, you, you wouldn't even ask. Like, yeah. You, you would need, they weren't even in your worldview. Right. So when it came time to try to find an internship, I, I hounded this editor <laughs> Okay, right. <laughs> because he had like the coolest, it was an yeah. Avid. Like, I mean, who, Avid was like $500,000 back in the day, wasn't it? Without That was without a keyboard. You know? Right, right, was, right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, was Flame another, was always was expensive, but grand, you know? what people need to remember is Avid at the time was crazy expensive too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this guy ended up somewhere else and brought me in to like meet the, the brought me in for, they had a position available for as an assistant engineer. Mm-hmm. And I, of course, wanted a job in visual effects. I did not want to be an assistant engineer. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I was a senior in college. It was like my last semester. All I had left was my thesis film. And uh, this was this little post-production company called RVI on 25th and Lex. And uh, the chief engineer is giving me a tour, mm-hmm. right? And we're going down this long, like narrow hallway with rooms on either side. And the rooms had little placards and would say like, edit one, edit two, edit three, avid one, avid two, avid three. And then there was a room that said flame on it. Oh. And I said to the editor, I said to this guy, what's that? And he goes, oh, check this out. So he takes me into the machine room and shows me like the, the Onyx desk side uh, computer. It looks like the Whopper from War Games, right? Like, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. it was, I had never seen anything like that before. And then he brings me into the flame suite and shows me like all he knew how to do was press play on a clip on the desktop. That's it. And he told me that it was playing back uncompressed video. And I was like, bullshit. Like I call bullshit. That's not possible. Nothing can play uncompressed. And now I'm sorry. And then that's when we went into the machine room and he showed me the Whopper. Yeah. I I just said that I got to learn that. Like whatever that is, like that supplanted the Avid or whatever, you know, like that's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. What do you need? What, tell me about this assistant engineer job. And it was like, (laughs) how can I get there? (laughs) How can I get there? You know, and he's like, you're going to, you know, they had a big like avid rental business. And so my, my first job was to like take in the rental machines, clean them up, reformat everything, reinstall the OS, reinstall the apps, get them ready to go out again. And like, you know, help the engineers put stuff in racks or whatever. But I had my eye on that flame and they were working on a Woody Allen movie called Everyone Says I Love You, which was like a I musical see. movie. Oh, okay. Maybe I haven't seen that one. Okay. Okay. Few people have. <laughs> you know, and they they were like weeks behind schedule on it. No. And they they asked me, I now know it was out of pure desperation. Okay. They asked me, hey, would you be interested in working on the flame, which I was not allowed to touch, you know, on the flame, on a movie? But but work the midnight to eight shift. And I was like, yeah, sure. Of course. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I was 22, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> I could be here whenever you, know, you need me. <laughs> you need. So I was, you know, I had been there three weeks and now here I am about to do my first like overnight shift. It was a wire removal shot. It was like a two and a half minute long wire removal shot. Oh, two and a half minute. And, okay. That's yeah. Yeah. That's intense. Think of the time too. You know, I mean, this is 1995 or something, right? Like, right. The flame artist showed me like step-by-step step, how to do it. Okay. Like how to make a clean frame and how to, how yeah. to get rid of wires essentially and how to do tracking. And, and you know, my, my, like the way I, I was that kid who took something apart just to see how it worked. And then can I put it back together again? You know? Okay. So, so, so for your brain, it actually, it really made sense for you. Like the, the oh, process well, of it, it. It was like, if he told me to, you know, uh, click here and type the number one and press enter, I would do that. 
And then I would try two and three and four and five and then negative one, negative two, just to kind of see uh-huh. like to feel like so that my head could wrap around like the full range of yeah possibility. Right. Like, what does this do? It's the same thing if you were playing guitar or playing the piano, you would try playing up the scale and down the scale. Now you can yes. get a feel for like the full the full range, right? Yeah. It's just like it spoke like I got it. Like it it spoke to me, you know? Like Let's go. It, I got it just I understood it in a way that I never understood CG at all. Oh, interesting. It was horrible at CG. Okay. Like okay. I, I, I couldn't I couldn't see in 3D. I couldn't think in 3D. This I got. Interesting. And, okay. Uh, Cuz I, I was, was going to ask you, do you think having that 3D knowledge helped you as a flame artist or not really? Did it any of that carry over or it, it gave me a, a a comfort for like gray interfaces with lots of gray buttons. Like <laughs> I wouldn't be intimidated by that. Right, but, right. Um, no, I mean, there wasn't that much in Flame back then. That I mean, there, there was action and there were lights and there were displacement maps yeah. and shit like that. But yeah, like, yeah. It, no, it wasn't. 3D didn't, all, all that it really gave me, like, I guess was that, was the understanding that like, you know, well, this is just a piece of software and there's a way to do it. Right. So let's just figure out the way to do it. Like there's got to be a way to make a keyframe. Yeah. And there's got to be a way to move something to the left. There's got to be a way to make it purple. Like, okay, let's just figure out what that is. I know, but I just, I got it. I just kicked ass on it. Like they, they, they would come in in the morning and there'd be three hundred frames done. Okay, and then yeah, it became how long did it like, take you? What else? I, I think I was on it for like a, I don't know, a month or something. Okay, or, so uh, like you, a couple you, of weeks. Your first time on Flame, you, you felt like you had enough time to get it done. I couldn't even tell you. Like okay. it, I, I was so ignorant and young and stupid and just happy to be doing it, you know? Yeah. But I was given like a real specific task, you know, get rid of these wires. Okay. Right. Okay. And then it became, what else can I do? Like the, you know, the company figured out that they can make money off of me. Yeah. You know? So I was a flame artist after that. I mean, I was a junior. That's amazing. Okay. And they still only had one flame. So were you working the night they had shift? They a flame or? and they had a flint. And this is back when flint... Had like 3,000 frames of storage, SD only. And okay. if you wanted to play back anything in real time, you had to like write one frame at a time to a disc recorder. Jeez. And so, okay. you, you know what you learned? You really learned the like discipline. I have a f- real small amount of storage. Yes. And the machine has a lot of limitations. So you learned just how to work efficiently. Right, right. Well, that actually reminds me talking to some artists who worked on Paintbox. There mm-hmm. was like a set amount of frames and it was like... You had it, you know, you, you had your limitations and you just figured out a way to work around it. And yeah. I think it actually makes you a better artist. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Now that we're kind of, we're kind of like, limitless, you know, I mean, you can, yeah. you can max out GPUs and stuff, obviously, but it's kind of just like throw anything at it. But then sometimes your batch setups can just bloat into these, you know, masses of <laughs> confusion. Oh, <and> yeah. <laughs> like there's a million ways to do any, everything, but yeah. that doesn't mean it's the most efficient. Exactly. But it also gave it gave you like a good hedge against, you know, the other thing as as we as the, as the machines have gotten more powerful as the software has gotten more versatile, our clients have gotten less specific. Yes. I know. Let's just we'll just try it. Well, let's just try it. Let's try 25 versions. Uh, you know, or I'll know it when I don't know what I want, but I'll know it when I see it. Having all those like rigorous limitations that you had to conform to, you had to work within. You know, for me, it was a great hedge against, let's just try everything. You know, I know. You had to be able to see it. You had to be able to see in your head what like the goal was. Yeah. And then figure out the quickest way to get there because I, it's got a ship. Yeah, you know? for sure. And I, you know, I, I feel today. like I've talked about this with friends. I think it, there was a big shift once the industry moved from film to digital. You know, mm-hmm. there was a lot of industry, you know, stuff up in the air, but I think once everything went digital, things, you know, they started to shoot more footage. So editors now have like five different cameras to cut off yeah. of and take some forever. 10 hours know. of footage for a 30 second spot. Exactly. Yeah, totally. So there's that. But then, yeah, along with flame work, you know, it's just, yeah, let's throw everything at the wall, see if it works. And, you know, you could go down some rabbit holes that you shouldn't have had to go down. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 100%. Okay, so after that, so how long were you at that company? We're going, we're digging deep. Yeah, here, we're digging uh, deep. I was there probably like a year and a half or something. It was okay. one of those where, I, like, I just I hit the limit, you know. And like the the lead flame artist who trained me, he quit. 
And I went to the owner and said, I would like a shot. And he said, absolutely. And like the next day they hired somebody else. Oh, damn. And at the time I was like, you screwed me over. I hate you. I'm going to leave. Now that I'm older and more mature, I understand this gentleman had a business to run, you know? And like, (laughs) okay, Okay. I I may have had a lot of promise, but he had a business to run. And this is when a flame cost a million dollars, you know? So I know I, I can't really begrudge him. I mean, I, I begrudged him tremendously after that. I went, I went freelance, you know? Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, failed upward like everyone else did. You know, like I just, I tried to, I remember I had some great successes and I had some great failures and that's how you learned. What was one of the failures that you remember as a freelancer when you first went? I remember being given, I was working a night shift. I was given an EDL to conform and I had never seen that before. And oh, I didn't know what okay. to do. Okay. And there was a client in the room with me and that was awful. And this is back um, in like where you had to conform off a tape, right? Wouldn't yeah. you have to put a tape and yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah. like, I didn't know how to like load the EDL. I had a printout of it and I was like entering oh. the shots in one at a time, like that kind of stuff. And okay. it was clear that like, I didn't know what I was doing. I remember trying to paint, like to fix something and the shot was like interlaced and I didn't know what like deinterlacing and reinterlacing was. Right. And oh yeah. I'm no. like, thank God. I'm, I'm zoomed all the way in, and I'm trying to paint in between fields. <laughs> you know, like, right. Oh like my that. god. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> but I learned real quick that like if there was something that came up, I didn't know. I mean, I learned the hard way, but I was because you know, I was told if there's something you don't know, say you don't know it. Yeah. No one's going to begrudge you. You know, you're not. There's that word again. But yeah, yeah. But I had some great great successes too. Like for like an introverted kid who was super shy, had big problems with like self-confidence and self-doubt. I was also like a theater kid in high school. Like, you you know, okay. get me in a room one-on-one and I'm really shy. Put me on a stage with a spotlight and a microphone You're fine. and and a costume to wear. And it's like, mm. wow. Okay. Okay. I really excelled. I loved being in the chair. I loved being in the room in the chair. And interacting with the client and, and, you know, what would you like to do? Oh, I'd like to do this. Oh, that looks good. Let's try this. Like I loved that back and forth, Yeah, you know, and, and it was like trying to like bring their vision to life, try to get out of their head what it is that they want and then bring it to life. So that I was really good at, even at, even at a young age. And I mean, I, I would work, I mean, I, I I think the longest I ever worked was 44 hours straight or something. Okay. Like straight. I mean, you know, like yeah. straight. I didn't care. I loved it. And, and I just loved it. I love, 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 love what I was doing. It wasn't right. Nothing was a, nothing was a barrier. Like everything, nothing was like nothing was a pain in the ass. Everything was like an opportunity, a challenge. You know, okay. not that yep. I didn't get frustrated. Of course I did, but yeah, I know there, there's so, always those shots where you're like, oh, like really, I got to do this. <laughs> yeah, I so I freelanced around for a little while. Oh, I there was one I. I overslept for a freelance gig once. Like I, I literally like oh, the, Oh no. The, the, the producer would ever called and woke me up. Oh no. And so I ended up, yeah. I ended up like, I was like 45 minutes late or whatever. And I, I apologized. I said, I'll, I will stay late tonight to make up for the time. I won't charge you obviously. And yeah. so like, it was late at night. It's like eight o'clock. Everybody was gone. I'm still working. I went to the fridge and got a beer. Yeah, so I'm like having nice. a beer and nice. working. And that's when, of course, when the producer comes in, he's like, and you're drinking on the job too, you know, like, so. <laughs> Amazing. That's awesome. But they, they ended up bringing me back and I actually ended up working for them for a little while, like on staff. So it, it, oh, okay. I guess I was, you know, I was at least, I was honest. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah I was yeah, an yeah. honest fool. When you went staff again, what made you go back staff other than, you know, staying freelance? Oh, I wanted to work. There was a place in the city at the time called Tape House Digital. It was the visual effects arm of the Tape House, which was like one of these big post-production empires in town. And they worked on the coolest shit. Uh, oh my God. I would okay. see it in like all the magazines and everything. And there was a position available. I was freelancing. I was actually freelancing at a company in Canton, like outside of Montreal. No way. Uh, called Hybrid. They're still around and they do like films. I mean, they're amazing now, but like back back really? then, it was. It, I guess it was a smaller entity, but- I saw on like online uh, a job, a position opened up at Tape House Digital, and I was like, I gotta have that job. So I, I remember I go went for my interview, and I had like a, I had like a blazer on, you know, but like yeah. the like the cool way, like with a t-shirt on underneath it, and you know, jeans. <laughs> and I was sitting there with the creative director, or, or you know, whatever, and, I, and he watched my reel. Yeah, the reel ended, and he was silent. I mean, like. 
like a flea could have farted in that room and it would have been loud, you know? Like <laughs> right, was, right. And I cannot exist in a silence. Like I have to say something. And so I said to him, to break the silence, I went, hey, if it's any consolation, I'm a real fun person to work with. And he's like, hey, what's that a consolation for? Like this reel that I just watched? <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. Like, So yeah. they, they tried me out freelance for a week and then hired me after. Oh, after cool. Week. And it was the greatest learning opportunity there were four flame artists there. One of them was Tim Crean, you know, my partner in crime with the New York user group and the legendary flame artist in his own right. But like Tim, before he was a flame artist, he was a skateboarder. And then there was a guy, Patrick, who was a photographer. And then there was a guy, Alan, who was an editor, you know, okay. and then there was yeah. me who, you know, was a film student. And so we, we had four different people with four different backgrounds and four different ways of looking at everything. And no matter what the challenge was, and every job was a challenge, every job was something new. It was the most exciting time. Like you were doing things that no one had ever done before. Now they're all right. commonplace, but this was the first time we tried any of these I, kinds of effects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the design and the concepts and everything were amazing. And so if you ran into like a challenge or, or you couldn't figure something out, you could just go into the next room and it, it was guaranteed that somebody had, had figured that out before you. But that's that's where I, I learned how to like go on set and be an on-set supervisor. And, and really just, you know, I think I was there for about four years and just kind of pushed myself. That's awesome. As far as I could go. But I hit, like I hit the top, you know. Yeah. And so I left there and went to go work for the guy who caught me drinking at a, at like a boutique. Like it was an editorial company that had one flame, like that, yes. like that kind of situation. I, I've, I've been there, yeah, for right? sure. So I went from like a huge facility where I was one of many, yeah. to a small facility where it was just me. Yeah. What's what's your take on that? Because I I go back and forth. Sometimes I like you know having many people around. Other times, it is kind of nice to just be your own thing. And you know, I feel like when you work at a big company, it's harder to upgrade systems, all of that. Whereas when you're at an editorial shop, you could kind of be a little more flexible with things. So I don't, I don't know if you kind of feel the same way about that stuff. The grass is always greener. Yeah. That's it. You know? <laughs> yeah. When I was at this place, I was by myself, which meant I didn't have to deal with any of the bullshit. Yeah. But I was also by myself. Right. So, so then, <laughs> there's nobody to there's nobody to take over for you or help you out. Yeah. There's nobody to help you out of a tight spot. I remember I my very first session at this job. It was a company called Splash. God, I feel like I've heard of Splash. Maybe I've heard of it because you have maybe briefly mentioned it in a different podcast. But okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was like they bought a flame on an octane, which was like a new thing at the time. Okay. And uh, like a little, little SGI computer. But I remember my very first session and being like terrified because it hit me when I was like, when I took the job, it was like, oh, I'm the man. I can do this on my own. I'm getting a big bump in salary and I'm great and whatever. And then I was sitting in the room with a client. And, oh my God, <laughs> like this is actually happening. Right. I was terrified. And then I just went through the process. I loaded the shot. I started to stabilize it. I then cut stuff out and then I did the blurring and then it, whatever, you know, like. Yeah. The, yeah. And it went great. Okay. But I think everybody should work, should, should give themselves the opportunity if it's possible to work at a big place and work at a small place and totally work everywhere agree. in between. Yes. Because I learned much more about myself at the at the one man shop, you know, at, at Splash. Okay. I was there for about two years and then went and actually worked for myself after that. Like I I started a company and I four walled oh, no a flame room somewhere, you know, for six months and worked for myself. Oh nice. Okay. Yeah. And how did great. Was, like how was that experience, you know, running oh, your own great. shop? Yeah. I remember loving it. And then a couple things happened. My my son was born, and my old boss at Splash offered me my job back oh. for like you know more money and everything. I took it, you know. Yeah. For the longest time, I regretted that. Not that I regretted going back, but I regretted giving up. Uh, like I went to work okay. for myself. It was going very well. I only did it for six months. It kind of like I could see on the horizon like I didn't have any work for the next month, and rather than go try to find the work. I went and took that job, right? You know, right. Now the flip side is, I took the money that I made and, and bought a house, like for my family. Yeah. Like, well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I didn't drink it away or anything. Yeah. Like, and so it was noble. But I always thought in the back of my mind, like, oh man, what would like, have happened if I kept what, that going? What would have happened? Right. But that's so. How did that work back in the day? Because I know flame was so much more expensive. So, 
you actually would go into another company and just rent a room. Is that how it worked? Yeah, or, I had a, yeah. I had a I had an arrangement that like you know I had a desk that I paid rent for in like the cubicle yeah. area, and then I had an hourly rate for one of their flame rooms. They had more flame rooms than they had artists. Oh, and so no I paid for way. it when I used wow. it, and you know I charged my clients a markup essentially. So okay, okay, um, it was a great arrangement. You know, yeah, even though it, it didn't last very long, went back to Splash for six months. A year or something. It was not working out. And then got a job, got a job at, it was just the wrong fit. I mean, you know, maybe, maybe the, maybe the lesson to be learned is there's no going back. Yeah. You know, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. You know like for all the reasons that I went to go work for myself, like, like where I said, like, this isn't for me, I need to do something different. None of those issues you know, changed. And that's on me too, you know, like, uh, you know, I made the decision to to go back. But after whatever it was, six months or a year, I got a job at Broadway Video, which is like Lorne Michaels production company. Oh, okay. Yeah. For the first time ever working in broadcast. Yeah. My whole career had been commercials. And now I'm in a place where like, you you sit down and, and, you know, the client comes in for an eight hour session and they tell you, we're going to make an opening title sequence today for Big Movie Sunday on USA Network. Right. And it's like, well, okay, what do you want to do? Whatever you can do in eight hours, Andy, that's what we're going to do. No way. So, yeah, totally different, you know. Yeah, approach. totally different. Like I had to be creative. It right. wasn't spots. It was it was creative. And I had never really pushed myself in that direction. Like, Yeah, yeah. And I mean, motion, and, I mean, that's a whole different artistry in itself, you know? It's like, oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> but like, you know, don't get me wrong. Like they, I don't want, or I don't want to misrepresent myself or the, or the position. They had amazing motion graphics artists there. Uh-huh. Okay. My stuff was like motion graphics on with flame, like, you know, like titles, like 3D titles and shot elements, elements that were shot, like that you would incorporate. Like I did like the opening to Will and Grace like with all these like sliding windows oh, and things yeah, like that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And cool. something at the time that you couldn't really do. I mean, you could do it in After Effects, but it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't the same, I guess. Exactly. It wasn't as fast. Um, and I took that job. They asked me like, hey, Andy, all we have here is smoke. Do you know smoke? I remember I was like on the phone right. on a job interview, like walking like in Manhattan. And I went, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We, uh, you know, it, I don't think I've used it since version. What version are they at now? Um, whatever. Oh, I don't think I've used this version. Well, you know, like, yeah, I mean, all the core tools are the same. And I really love the whole timeline interview, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I get there the first day, and I, I mean, there will be a segment of the audience who will remember this, but well, I guess it's smoke hockeys versus flame hockeys because they were two different applications. But yeah, in 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 you know, in flame, the tilde key toggles you from like you know your schematic to your it, yeah viewer exactly. or whatever. In smoke, at least at the time, the tilde key like exited like no, exited it, flame. I think it still does. Yeah. Okay. So my first <laughs> session, like with a client and everything. I was like Homer Simpson. Like every time I'd go to like look at the schematic, I would like hit that key and it would quit it's flame. Like, and I'm like, God oh, damn it. No. Like, like 10 times. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, but the, I, I, uh, I, I was only there for maybe a year and a half. Okay. Or, or two years. And it wasn't out. I, I didn't leave because I hated it. I actually loved the job. I loved the people. I got to work on something like on things that were totally different, you know, and push parts of my brain that I never really – yeah. Pushed. We did the biggest thing I did there was the, the a, a redesign of the NFL on CBS. Okay. We had to make gra- like all the graphics now are done in re- are all real time. They're all generated in real time. But back then they weren't. So yeah. I had to design like a I don't know like a wipe to instant replay. And so I would get like the logo for the Kansas City Chiefs or something, and then mm-hmm. load it into action, and then you know, make a three D object out of it, and have it fly in and rotate and lens flare and fly to camera, and then you'd have to do that. For every, every team in the league, plus the AFC, the NFC, the NFL, and CBS. Oh my gosh! Okay. Imagine that for it was something like fifteen hundred deliverables. Jeez. I'd never done anything like that before in commercials. You yeah. Know? So that was great. Like it was just a great like logistic or technical chat. How are we going to do this with limited storage and limited, you know, whatever? Yeah. And and we we got that year. That was the year CBS had the Super Bowl. Okay. This was the Janet Jackson year of, of, of oh just to my give you a frame gosh, of reference for yes. Super Bowl. Oh yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah. So I I got to go to the game. Originally I wasn't. Like I worked on the open. I did the show open for the for that for that season and then the Super Bowl came around and well, ultimately I did get to go. And that was the, and again like a highlight of my career. I, I I was in Houston 
for the Super Bowl. I was working on the yeah. Super Bowl, for God's sakes. Like, it doesn't get any bigger. I remember too, CBS took over like a post-production facility, like a half mile from the stadium. Okay. You know, like the, the, the driver or whatever, the bus or whatever, drops us off there from our hotel. And I'm looking for my flame room. I was given a room, you know, I was looking for room seven or whatever it was. So I'm looking around and a guy comes up to me, never met in my life. Guy comes up to me and goes, Hey man, do you know where I can get some crystal around here? And I was like, <laughs> I, uh, I just got into town myself, so I don't, but you know, as soon as you have a connection, make sure you, you know, hook a brother up. It, and he kind of looked at me the way that you're looking at me now and he left. And then I found out maybe an hour later that, you know, remember back in the days of videotape, you used to have to like black the tape, like yes, lay down time yes. code. Oh yeah. Well, down in Texas, they, they you know, because they like the oscillation of a quartz crystal or something is what generated the time code. Oh my so gosh. I, and I was clearly, you That's know, I, I labeled myself the, you know, the drug addict. Right. But, uh, <laughs> right. Because I was trying to be funny and that yeah. backfired. But I was there, you know, working all week on the, on stuff for the game. And then I got to be, I got to go on the field. I got to be in like the trailer, one of the production nice. trailers at the stadium on game day. And that's it was one awesome. of the highlights of my life, you know. Yeah. And wh whoever would have thought, you know. Right. That's amazing. And you were there for a few years, you said? Like uh, close to, uh, between a year and a half and two years. Okay. And then it was back to commercials after that. Yeah. I, yeah. Was, I got a, an <laughs> offer from... Uh, from the the owner, it was lively when 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 I left, but it was called Spontaneous at the time, and uh, they had like a, a, a an internal division. They had Spontaneous, and then they also had they had a huge editing company. They must have had like fifteen editors, and they had like what we would now call an in house facility, but they had oh, like a okay. a facility with like two flames and an After Effects artist that only serviced the editors, like the house, really? and like Spontaneous would do outside work. They get work from outside clients. So they brought me in to run the a flame at the the in-house division. And after a year there, the lead artist at Spontaneous left and they moved me up there. Up there. And okay. I was there for the next 17 years. Wow. 17 years. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. And you guys had offices kind of all over, right? It was New York, LA. It was primarily New York, New York and LA. Okay. And we only opened the LA office in like 2018, I think. Oh, so that was kind of recent. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. But that was another, like, again, you know, it's so easy in the, in the moment and like the day to day to let, let things annoy you, you know, and that's totally normal. Like whether it's like the job or office politics or personalities or like just advertising or whatever, yeah. you know, yeah. I, uh, when I, when I, when I made the decision to leave and go freelance uh, a few months ago, I was really overwhelmed, like overcome with like the, the reality that I spent 17 or 18 years with this company and all the things I got to do, right. all the people that I got to work with, all of the opportunities that I, I had, you know, again, not, there were good days and bad days, but there were many more good days. And yeah. like, I can only reflect on that, you know, and really appreciate it. Like I got to travel the world, literally. Really? Okay. I went on a shoot. I got to go to Cape Town for a shoot for a week. And while I was there, I got booked on a shoot in New Zealand. So oh like I went on a two week yeah. round the world tour, essentially, you know, right? doing what I love to do. And then I worked with everybody. I mean, I worked with every agency and every director, worked on every kind of spot, found out I had a real aptitude for, for beauty work. Okay. You know? Yeah. That was something I really learned about myself. I guess it goes back to what I, I, I said this earlier about how even when I was really young, I loved like working with clients and whatever. That was always my favorite thing. Like I, I was acutely aware that like I was not the coolest person at the company. I didn't have the coolest hair. Uh, okay. I didn't have <laughs> an accent. I wasn't particularly attractive. Self-deprecation, by the way, is, yeah, is, yeah. is my, how I enter the room. Yeah. But like I... The way I overcame any perceived shortcoming, you know, I, maybe I didn't think I was creative enough. Like all the other guys were designers and here, you know, right. was I ran that room. Okay. I was great in the room. When the clients came in, the more stressed out they were, the more I loved it. Right. Cause you, because you could kind I, of guide them. And by the end of the day, they're like, Andy, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> you you're the yeah. best. You totally get us and understand us. And yeah. you know, it's because I listen, you right. know, and right. I, and I, I, I was that, I was that island of calm in a sea of, nice. of chaos, right. you know, I, lo I loved it. I love, love, loved it. I also loved, um, this is a great thing about working for that company is we, you know, we were part of an editorial house 
with like 10 or 15 editors. And there were editors who only did fashion and only did cars and only did comedy and only did whatever, which meant that there was always something different to work on. True. Yeah. And I loved that. I was never bored. I found also that I was really good at beauty work. Okay. This is something I never would have thought. Like I was really, really, really good. Now, when when did you start getting into beauty work? Was it when you first started at the company or was it midway through or? I, I had done some of it beforehand, but like, when, you know, back in like the, the late nineties, early two thousands, beauty work was like sandblasting. Like, you know, right. it, there was no subtlety to it. <laughs> yeah. What I learned in my time at Spontaneous was the subtlety. Okay. Was how to make the work look like you didn't do anything. Yes. And then like the other thing I was able to do was apply all of that that discipline that I had learned back when the computers were not capable and the, or they were slow and the storage was like very finite. Yeah. To always like figure out how to get the, the like the maximum result for the the minimum amount of resources, not the minimum amount of effort, but like okay. the minimum amount of resources. I was and and I, I give like the 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 executive producer that we had there was like the greatest partner for me because uh, she like allowed me to. Not, not. I mean, she 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 gave me much more of an insight into the the business side of the business gotcha. than your average flame artist had, and and I think it's because I showed an interest in it. But like, nice. I became singularly fixated on how could we possibly do how could we do this more efficiently? Yeah. Okay. Like, what techniques? There are a million ways to skin the cat, right? There are a million ways to do the beauty work. Yeah. What way gives you the best result? I don't want, I'm trying to, so hard to say in the least amount of time, but that's really right, what it right. is. Yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking and, and about not, though. Not because like I was trying to cut corners ever. Right. It was because maybe like 10 years into my time at Spontaneous Lively, I made peace with reality. Like I used to get so stressed out. I used to get so wound up in the chaos that is just commercial post-production. Like yeah. the, the, the cut all of a sudden changes, even though it was locked and the ship gate moved. And now there's like, you know, a 10 that you didn't know about. Yeah. Those things used to make me crazy. And then it was the, the EP there when she brought me into, we had a a head of production. He left. Then we got a new EP. She needed help. And I kind of stepped up and said, well, Hey, you know, I'm, 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 I'm running the flame department. Maybe I can help with like scheduling Oh, okay. and overall job planning. And I started to, you know, again, so I made peace with the chaos and and realized that I have a tremendous amount of control over my own destiny. I do not have to get swept up in the tornado of bullshittery that is just yeah. post-production sometimes. And I tried to figure out with every job that came in, when I was doing my estimating and my bidding and trying to figure out how to allocate resources, people and rooms and stuff like that. Yeah. What's the most efficient way to do this? Let's look. Yeah. I, you know, you walk in in the morning, you have a plan. That plan blows up as soon as the first panic phone call comes in. So right, right. let's look at all the jobs. Let's look at all the tasks. Let's look at all the subtasks for each task. What can I front load today mm-hmm. to help tomorrow? So yeah. that when everything blows up tomorrow, yeah, I'm ahead of the game. You know, I can adapt. I can say yes and not have to like freak out or God forbid, tell the client no or work overnight, you know, work all night to yeah, make a exactly. difference. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh my god. That gosh. was another really important lesson I learned there. And I had to learn it for myself was that right. I we're, we're not victims. You right. know what I mean? We, <laughs> yeah. as, we have a tremendous amount of, of control over our own destiny. So I, I really learned that there and I'm so fortunate for it. I also learned how to work with the CG department. Okay. The head of CG there is still one of my dearest friends and he you know, he's a brilliant artist and like I got to learn the language of CG. Okay. Yep. Yep. So I could speak to, I couldn't do C. I, I mean, I did learn from them the like the the discipline of C, of 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 CGI, but I was able to then speak as the compositor. I was able to speak to them their in their language, yeah, yeah. which is a and huge try thing. to again, you know, just make the the interoperability between the departments that much more exactly like if efficient because that makes it more fun. A render pass or something, you know, you you know what render pass you need to make it work, or yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. How was the transition for you? With COVID, working from home, you know, being good in a room with clients, to then going over Zoom calls, things like that, was that a hard transition, or was it nothing at all, or how did that go? 
there wasn't really a transition. There, 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 you know, it, it was. I mean, I did a couple of client like Zoom sessions or whatever, but it definitely was something that was like that was missing, that was lacking. Like that, yeah. It was a part of the job that I loved that wasn't there anymore. Right through through no fault of the companies or whatever. It's just it's had to do it. It's just yeah. what happened. And, and, exactly. You know, but you know, f- fortunately, logic filled that void in my in my brain or in my personality or that, 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 that need, that need that I had to, yeah. you know, to help or to connect. Yes. Okay. It filled, it, it really, it filled that need that I had to, to connect with people. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Gotcha. And then what kind of sparked the the freelance? Was it just trying new opportunities or just kind of doing your own thing? Yeah. I mean, part of it was, I, you know, became an empty nester. Both my yeah. kids were off okay, of college. Gotcha. <laughs> my, uh, my wife, she had put a career on hold to have a family oh, wow. and okay. yeah. she went back to work and uh, I'm not going to lie to you about the, the COVID thing, you know, the working from home thing. Not that like I was opposed to going back to the office or anything like that, but I think I was fascinated by, you know, this, this, I'm in the course of this conversation, you, you hear the same themes over and over again. There was an opportunity to figure out new ways to work. Yes. You know? Yeah. Like, and let, we're going to try 80 of them and 78 of them are going to suck, but let's try all of them and maybe we'll get something great, you know? So, yeah. you know, the, 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 rea- the realization or the reality that I can work anywhere for anybody amazing with anybody was really, really very interesting to me. Right. I guess I, real- I realized this over the past few months. I'd hit another ceiling. And again, here's a theme you'll hear over and over again. Sometimes that's, that's on me. You know, I'm not, I, I, I don't hold, you know, anything against like the, the company that I work for. It wasn't oh, yeah, like they yeah, ever held sure. me back and said, you yeah. can't do this, you can't do that. But I really felt like I had maxed out. Okay. You know, yep. I needed to feel challenged, scared. I needed to feel that like, I, I remember like the first freelance gig that I did, you know, back in the spring was like that first day that I described to you when I, I, yeah, when I worked at that edit, you know, yeah, <laughs> I was terrified. Right. Oh my God. Like I, I learned after the fact about, of, of, you know, Randy had done that. I think it was Randy who did the post on the forum for, about imposter syndrome. I, I yeah. learned, I didn't know what that was until I got, you know, I finished my first freelance gig and, and was like, Oh, that was me. Like I, yeah. I, I had no idea if I was going to be able to do what, what I was going to be asked, you know, what was going to be asked of me. And, and as it turns out, I did a very good job. Like I, I really, yeah, nice. Like I can do this pretty well, but I've loved, I needed that. I needed to, f- I needed to, f- to, uh, to, to learn new ways to work, to work with different people, to be challenged with different kinds of tasks. I love like the producing aspect of like running my own business now, like in a way that oh, I cool. never thought I was going to love, love it. So yeah. Are you mostly, cause I know freelance can be many things. And when I freelance back in the day, I would, I would normally just work with companies, right? They'd, they'd hire me as like a day rate kind of thing. Are you doing that kind of work or is it more of booking full jobs as your own company? It's a mixture of both. Like when okay. I started out, I was just a hired gun working yeah. for whoever yep. needed to book me for the day or the week or whatever. And it was great. Yeah. You know, I listened to the advice that I got from my friends from Logic of like, don't work more than like 30% in your own market. So I was working for West Coast companies and nice. I wanted to really try different things, different, you know, I was working exclusively like on TV shows or a shot work as opposed to spot work, you know? Yes. Yeah. How, I, how, do, I, how uh, do you like shots? How, how do you like shot work? Compared to always to greener, a- man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know? exactly. Like you know, it was funny. I, I did for the for the first three or four months or something maybe, the, the, of freelancing. I was really only doing shot based work. Okay. And then over the summer, at some point, you know, I got an opportunity to work on some commercials. Yeah. I, it was a, a DP. It's always this is the thing too. Like to everyone listening at home, you know, especially younger younger artists or. Be kind. As Randy likes to say, just be kind. Be nice to people. When I first started freelancing, I mean, I reached out to everybody that I knew. And uh, like a guy I went to college with had a buddy who was making like a low budget indie horror horror short or horror movie. Yeah, yeah. And they needed some visual effects for it. And it was nothing revolutionary. It was like breath, you know, like it was snow and like, you know, breath effects and a little bit of blood or whatever. But like uh, I did it. Yeah. And I took on the job for, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't about the money. It was about the opportunity and the relationships. I, I did it professionally. Oh, I treated it like they paid me a million dollars, which is how you're supposed right. to do it. Right. The DP on that short, who I never met, right? Yeah. Ended up 
being hired, you know, as the DP on these commercials. And when the the director and the production company were looking for a flame artist, he was like, oh man, I have the perfect guy. No way. That's amazing. Yeah. And the stuff I was doing had no snow, blood, or breath effects in it. Like, it right, wasn't like right. a giving thing for this guy. <laughs> but it's the people you meet along the way, the relationships you make, the impression that you give off. And so I got to do some some spots. And it was like, it was the first time I did anything like I had done for the previous 18 years. Right. Where I did the, actually, I didn't do the conform. Someone else did the conform. But I did conform, you know, to load in all my shots and everything. But Okay. And then I, I ended up getting an opportunity to work on you know some some shop based stuff directly, like you know for my own clients, and I'm 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 loving it. I'm loving the challenge of figuring out resource allocation, and you know, yeah, you know, again, like I I I learned Python, so I've I have oh yeah yeah I have this setup here like scripted out the wazoo, you know, That's so amazing. like I, yeah, <laughs> and I don't know really where that is. Well, I couldn't point to the wazoo, but it's scripted right out of it, but like. It runs, it's like a tight ship here and I love it. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And are you mostly working on your own hardware or do you tap into other boxes at facilities? How, how is that going in the freelance It's been realm? a 50-50 mix. Yeah. Really? It's totally been a okay. fi- it, yeah. It depends on the client and everything. Yeah. When I've worked for facilities, it, it's been, a, I guess, a specifically when I'm hired like as a day rate flame artist for facilities, it's probably been about 80% remoting into their hardware. And twenty okay. percent using my own hardware, and I think the only reason I used my own hardware was because they were so busy that they ran out of local oh, machines for me geez. to remote into. Okay, so um, you would just download the footage, and yeah, yeah, like local, but yeah. I would, I would either, you know, we would either send archives back and forth, or I would download an archive and upload a batch setup or something, and replicate like their their folder structure here, you know. Oh, okay, okay, cool, and. I know you you transition. You're now on a Linux box. Was that transition hard for you, or was it pretty easy? Gone. I mean, I'm sure Lively had Linux boxes too, but I feel like most oh, yeah. of us at home start with a Mac, and then we go, "Okay, this thing's tapping out. Let's let's move to a Linux box." Yeah, it was Lively. I mean, I've been on a Linux machine my whole career. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Ever yeah. since there yeah. was even you know before Linux, I was on Irix or whatever. But Randy showed me how to how to install Linux. He was my guru on that. It was great. It was absolutely great. Again, like. The first four times I screwed it up, but I learned. Right. And then I ended up like building a second Linux machine. Nice. Okay. You know, it was like Randy put on the forum, you know, hey, if anybody's interested, there's like a used P620 on eBay. Oh yeah, I did see that. (laughs) I bought it, you know, it wasn't the top of the line. It wasn't the top of the line. It was this one here, like the second tier down. I I bought like a used GPU off of Randy and, and then put a high point card in there. It served as like my backup flame, but also like some of the freelance jobs I do are like NDA jobs. Oh, and, like, so you just have I a have separate to take box. the flame like off the internet and off the network and everything. Oh, okay. And so I need smart. a second box. Yeah. For whatever. Wow. And also as a backup. So okay, that's cool. That was a really important lesson too. That I mean I guess I built the second Linux machine for like thirty five hundred dollars or oh four thousand dollars or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And again, okay. it, I mean it's not like the top of the line, but it's it's really good for a four thousand dollar machine. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would encourage everybody to to consider trying the the Linux route. It's not as as scary. scary. Yeah, yeah. I know. that's the thing. I got to do it one of these days. You know? Especially Actually, if you you know like keep a Mac if you if you whatever a Mac or Windows or whatever, but keep another machine like build your Linux flame. Yeah, and once it's working, leave it alone. Right. You right. <laughs> yeah. Just I don't try do to like thing. figure out how to print on it or like I mean yeah. you know it runs flame and that's it. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, I, I know you're into Nuke as well. Do you run Nuke on the Linux box as well? Or do you have a separate computer for that? Or Because I know oh, you do no, copycat a lot. Yeah. On the Linux machine, I have uh, I have a Flame, Nuke, a Synthize. That's pretty much it. Okay. In Chrome. Chrome, yeah. Yeah, I learned Synthize since, since, being, free, since, uh, you know, since being freelance. Yeah. I was like the first freelance gig I had. It was advantageous to know Synthize. Let's just say that. Right. Right. <laughs> And this is the beauty of logic. You know, I was able to, well, first of all, I was like, like sharing, yeah. I, I was working, someone that I was working with was not only brilliant at synthize, but a fantastic teacher. Oh, nice. And, you know, okay. kind of showed me, it was just like I told you 40 minutes ago, he showed me how to do this and type one in that box and press enter. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. what happens if I do two and negative two? And then of course I have Ulick. And uh, Sean Sams both did like synthesize yeah. tutorials for. I've I've watched both Logic. those Logic lives. I got to go back and rewatch them. You know they're they're so yeah. good and there's so much information in there because they I, were great yeah. before I knew synthesize. Right and now that I've used synthesize, <laughs> they're amazing. Like you know, totally. 
Totally. Okay. Gotcha. Do you, do you feel like the flame artist role has changed since you started flame? Oh, good question. Just tasks or expectations from clients? You know, I'm going to say no, because from the beginning, flame was like that one tool that did it all. Yes. You know, it's also true for being a compositor as opposed to like, I'm only a colorist or like in the CG world, I only light or I only animate or I only model or whatever, you know, as a flame artist, you, you, we always had to have an aptitude, a mastery of like the different disciplines of post-production. You know, that was the beauty of flame. Like no matter what the, no matter what the, the ask was, you could do it all in one place at one time. Right. So I don't think that that's changed over the years now. Okay. Nice. Awesome. Well, thank you, Andy, for uh, taking the time to talk. And I'm I'm looking forward to uh, recording more of these with some other amazing artists. And yeah, I just really yeah, appreciate you, you uh, letting me join the, the Logic team. And uh, Oh, the dude, podcast. no, man, you stepped up. Like that's, I want to make sure everybody understands, like, you know, you, this is the true essence of, of like the community, you know, is you, you reached out to me and said, like, I would love to help. How can I help? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's it. Like, that's how these things happen is somebody sure. says, how can I help? Yeah. There's always somebody, you know, it, it's easy to stand on the sidelines and go like, you know, there should be more podcasts. But then right. there's right. Glenn who says, <laughs> says like, I'd love to see more podcasts and I'm happy to help in whatever way. Yeah. And so I was like, great. I don't have time to edit them. I can record them. Glenn, do you want to edit them? Yes. Yes, and then exactly. Now you've taken the next, like the next step. Yeah. And I thank you, you know? You're yeah, doing no an amazing problem. thing for for the community, man. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it. So, to many more, you know. Amen, brother. <laughs> awesome. All right, man. We'll catch up soon. You got it. I'll see you. I'll see you online on the okay. forum. Okay. Cool. Cool. Thanks so Talk much, soon. man. All right. Thanks, Andy. This episode of the Logic Podcast is brought to you by AJA, together with Flame since 2006. We would like to welcome to the Logic family, our friends at Hotspring. Hotspring is the future of VFX outsourcing. Hotspring connects you to great artists to get your projects done, making it easier than ever to access the best talent around the world. I highly encourage, if you need any help with roto, paint, cleanup, or 3D match move, give the folks at Hotspring a shout. You will not be disappointed. www.thehotspring.com See you next time.